Welcome to the Kara's Curious Digital Show and Podcast, where we explore the cutting edge of wellness. I'm Kara Sundlin, and we want to thank the Center for Advanced Reproductive Services for making this work possible as our sponsor. So we're talking about mental health. A pretty exciting study was published uh, in a big-time journal that says mindfulness meditation may be as effective as common medications like Lexapro when it comes to reducing anxiety. So when it comes to actually putting this into practice, and especially for our kids, what's the best way to introduce mindfulness to make it effective? Here with us now is Dr. Laura Saunders. She is a child psychologist at the Institute of Living. Welcome, doctor. Thank you for having me, Kara. Yeah, I'm so excited about the study because let's first just talk about what that was. I mean, there's a lot of things that we see in blogs or online, but this was a major journal with a pretty uh, well-performed study that found this effectiveness. Yeah, so this research study was published in the Journal of the American Medical Association. So that's a, for psychiatry, that's a peer-reviewed journal very, very credible, obviously. Um, and the actual study was a group of 276 adults with untreated anxiety disorders. So what they did is they put half the patients and randomly selected them to take either 10 or 20 milligrams of um, Lexapro. And the other half went into an eight-week course on mindfulness-based stress reduction. Um, and, the, and the results were really stunning. So really after just eight weeks, both groups experienced about a 20% reduction in their anxiety symptoms over that eight-week period. Um, now, it's important because medications can be helpful. I'm not putting down medications, um, but some people have significant side effects. Some people don't want to take medications. Um, so if, you're, if you are someone who wants to engage in the regular practice of mindfulness, it can help you with your anxiety. So let's talk about that. What is the definition of mindfulness? So let's let's talk about the kind of the three key characteristics of mindfulness. Um, so it's the it's the intention to cultivate awareness, kind of in return to it again and again. It's giving attention to the present moment. Um, so simply observing thoughts and feelings and sensations, and it's creating an attitude of non-judgmental and being curious and kind. So it's kind of attention and that non-judgmental attitude and bringing yourself back to the present moment. And what I always like to emphasize, and this is something you can start with kids and adolescents and, and adults, is that mindfulness, they, they call it mindfulness practice, mindfulness as a skill, because you know unless you are close to Gandhi, you know, you, this is not something that we do automatically. And so when you, when you engage in mindfulness, and really it's just about starting for like three to five minutes a day. It doesn't have to be a long period of time. Um, it's about teaching yourself to be in the present moment, to focus on your breath, or some, some people don't want to close their eyes. They focus on an image. Um, they have a mantra, um, or they have phrases that they repeat. Um, and, it really is about keeping yourself in the present moment. And the practice comes in because for everyone, distracting thoughts come into your mind. That's not a sign that you're failing at this. Again, that's the non-judgmental part. It's a sign that how do we let things go? So if you think about 
in the practice of anxiety, right? Anxious thoughts sort of come in and they, they spin around in your mind over and over and over again. Um, and they make you get really upset or really anxious. So it's the practice of letting go of some of those anxious thoughts. Right. So let's just be clear here for those who say I can't meditate or I can't do mindfulness because I never stop thinking. Newsflash, everybody thinks when they do this. It's the practice of not letting the thoughts take over you. Everybody has distracting thoughts. Uh, again, unless you're like close to Buddha, um, everyone has distracting thoughts when they do this, right? You know, I, I start my mindfulness practice. It's like, oh, I forgot to pick up something at Walgreens. And then it's not, I non judgment. I don't criticize myself. Oh, you know, why do you always forget these things? You, you know, you shouldn't write more lists. Um, it's non judgmentally letting it go. I'll get back to that at another time. You know, what I need to get at the grocery store, another errand that I need to do. These distracting thoughts, you know, sometimes bizarre thoughts like a memory from your childhood, right? So these thoughts will come into your mind and it's a matter of acknowledging them and then releasing them non-judgmentally. So bringing yourself back to the present moment. So you you bring yourself back to your breath because you're focusing on sort of a, a deeper breath. As I've said, I have a set of um, four phrases, and I'm happy to share them. I didn't make them up, that I use all the time, right? And so, you know, my phrases are, I am happy, I am at peace, I am healthy, and I am safe. And I have all sorts of pieces of paper that I keep around my desk um, because these are my phrases, and this is how I ground myself, and I bring myself back into my body and in the present moment because I am happy, I am at peace, I am healthy, and I am safe. And even if all those things are not true, which there's a good amount of time those things are not all true, I'm bringing myself back to a center to remind myself and give myself permission to be okay. So it's the power of intention. And if you're starting to do this, you're saying even just a couple of minutes a day, and maybe you're not going to sit there in a totally silent room. Um, I like to say that I, I wrote a blog on the blow dry meditation that, you know, I have to blow dry my hair. Hey, there's a lot of white noise. And, you know, you can be like, I am safe. I'm okay. Like rather than right. thinking of my grocery list, which also goes in my head. But sometimes if you're busy pairing it with an activity, which might actually work for kids too, right? Like having them do something while they're moving. Yeah, and, and uh, you can do, I mean, when I uh, was running a program, we used to do mindfulness walks, right? So in a mindfulness walk, you might focus on your five senses, like as you're walking, what do you see? What do you feel? What do you hear? What can you taste? Um, so you go over your, go through your five, I'm missing a sense there, but um, you go over your five senses and you, and then when that distracting thought comes in, you think, wow, but right now I see how beautiful the yellow ginkgo leaves are outside my window, or you bring yourself back to your five senses. So there's many ways to do this. There's no one right way. You don't have to do it for 30 minutes to make it effective. It's simply the practice of, of bringing yourself back to your, your kind of grounding yourself in the present moment and bringing your attention back to whatever, you know, whether it's your breath or your mantra and being non-judgmental, curious and open. I think this is so great. And I try to, um, 
meditation, they'll say, don't use the word try. But I try to instill this in my kids. And I find that um, teens especially or uh, middle grade people, they're, they're very resistant um, to maybe want to slow down or do this. Or to them, a break is I want to look at my phone, which we know that that's not giving you the same thing. How do you um, introduce to your kids? Because we know this can really help them. So the hard part is that, you know, like middle school and high school group, they're resistant to everything. <laughs> Unless they came up with the idea themselves, they're resistant to it. So in, with so many folks, I mean, it, and it obviously works a little bit better if someone is struggling with anxiety, right? Um, so if someone's struggling with anxiety and it's starting to hinder their functioning, because that's our guideline, right? We all have anxiety. I don't want to like bad mouth anxiety. Anxiety, some amount of anxiety can be helpful for us. Sometimes it motivates us to do things, but it's when anxiety becomes debilitating or hinders our functioning or creates um, kind of ruminating thought loops in our mind that we can't get out of. It's at that point that we want to do something. So, so t if teens are sort of floating along and, and, and doing okay, they're not that interested in it. It's when it starts to hinder their functioning or they, their anxiety is out of control um, that you get better motivation to learn techniques. And mm. what I also say is I, I think of anxiety like a lot of different things sort of on a bell curve, right? When you're at the peak of your anxiety, when your anxiety is at a level nine, you're probably not going to sit down and do a few minutes of mindfulness, right? It's, it's learning to do these things and training your mind and your body when you're at lower levels of anxiety, knowing that your pattern is that you'll spike up at lower levels of anxiety. This works as, as a good practice to bring yourself down and really break the cycle of how those um, anxious thoughts um, have such a negative effect on you. So you bring up the point of, you know, when you're at a nine of anxiety, which I think is what um, you're right. People get motivated to do things when they have a need. So that makes sense. But it, what, when you're really like that, what do you do in that moment to maybe calm yourself down? Is there something um, you would advise people when they're really feeling it? So when you're at that level of anxiety, probably sitting and, and doing some mindfulness training is not going to be most helpful. I you know, what I say in those situations is move a muscle, change your mood. So you're going to need to maybe do something more active. But what it is, it's about understanding yourself and your patterns and knowing that, you know, every Sunday night I have problems or, you know, certain activities cause me high level of anxiety. Or maybe you're someone that just struggles with anxiety, kind of what we call generalized anxiety a lot of the time. So for those situations, it's catching yourself or addressing anxiety when it's, I always do things by levels, right? So when it's like a level two, three, or four, or five, it's easier to manage the anxiety. When it's at a nine or 10, it's, it, you're doing, you need to do more active things to mm. manage your anxiety. Or for maybe some people, they need to be on medication to better manage their anxiety. Um, but what we're trying to, to point out is that there are other things that you can do and not just taking medication. And please, if you're on medication, do not just go off your medication, right. consult your doctor. Um, but there are other things that you can do. So, so knowing yourself and knowing how, you know, what your triggers are or what your precipitants are in certain situations and using that to better help yourself. And, and it is hard with teens, right? We do believe this can be helpful for them, but if we suggest it, it's not that helpful, but when they do hit those points where their anxiety is overwhelming, those are your entry points to say, 
there are things you can do to help yourself. Absolutely. Okay. And we, uh, you make a good point that some people, um, the medication is very helpful for. It's good to know that the study found it was equal if you really have a problem taking it. Um, but putting them together, there's, it doesn't have to be either or. I've heard you use the phrase skills and pills. So um, it, it, perhaps if you're really struggling and you need to balance your chemistry a little, you might do both. But uh, sometimes just taking the pill isn't going to be enough either. Yes, I actually liken this often to a medical, a medical model. So if someone has, let's just say, high blood pressure, right? If you have seriously high blood pressure, maybe making change to your diet and, and exercising more will help you, but you might need to do both, right? You might need to take a medication that lowers your blood pressure and you know, improve your diet and um, eat healthier and exercise a little more, get outside and walk. So it's, it is usually multiple things that you can do, not just any one thing. I don't want to just rely on medication, even for anxiety. I don't want to just, I don't want anyone to just rely on medication because there's things that we can do. We need to believe that we have a sense of control or efficacy over aspects of our life. There are things that are not in our control and it's important to acknowledge that as well. Um, but yes, for some people, medication is helpful. So I'm certainly not putting down medication in any way, but I really want to, people to realize that there are things that they can do in their life to make them feel better and to break that cycle of anxiety. I love that we're learning that the brain is a little bit more like Play-Doh than we used to understand. So when we're meditating, when we're doing this, the why would be like every time we're interrupting those anxious thoughts, we're kind of creating a new pattern, which is what we want to do. Um, I've heard some hacks also. I'm thinking of things that people can do quickly, like um, putting your hand on your heart, saying some of those meditations, uh, the mantras you've mentioned, I'm safe, I I'm okay. Um, so, and I've, easy thing to remember the four, four, four breath, right? You can imagine a box going in for four, holding for four, out for four. And you say people could take courses or maybe just go on YouTube or go online because there's a yeah. lot of free, just Google the word meditation or mindfulness and you might see a lot of free courses to get started. Right. And there are things you can do if you need some guidelines, um, but but it doesn't have to be that complicated and it doesn't have to be that hard. It's just a matter of um, understanding and really giving yourself permission. And, and again, it's called mindfulness practice. No one does it well in the beginning. And it's just about being non-judgmental. When those distracting thoughts come in, you acknowledge them. Oh, I'm thinking about my grocery list again. I'm going to let that go. And I'm going to come back to my mantra because, you know, my mantra is I am happy. I am at peace. I am healthy and I am safe, right? So I come back to that and I focus on my breathing um, and it can be blended into your day-to-day -day activities. Um, it, it can be blended into your walk from your, you, you know, your car into your workplace. It can be from your, you know, from your home to your, uh, from your home to your car in the morning or spending a few minutes at the end of your work day or the end of your, if you're, you know, if you're a stay-at-home person, um, which also is work. Um, that you just find a few minutes in an activity. Some people can vacuum and it's, that's a very mindful activity. As you go back and forth, you yeah. think positive thoughts, you breathe in and out, yes. in and out, right? You do things to kind of slow your mind down. Yes, I like the move a muscle, change a mood. So we could actually get some cleaning done and affirm that we are releasing anything that doesn't serve us as we sweep up the mess. But um, <laughs> um, water, uh, people, you know, I, I've done a lot of interviews on people with meditation. One thing that stuck out with me, they said, um, John Edwards, the famous psychic, he said, you know, he, he meditates every day and he wrote a book about it. And he said, people say, I don't have time. 
And he said, but everyone takes a shower. He's like, just taking a few moments in the shower. So, you know, you could pair this um, to get started. Like, you know, you're usually not on your phone in your shower. Like, just doing some peaceful things in the shower, um, which most of us do every day. Yeah, I mean, it can be in the shower. where, And, and sometimes I just encourage people to focus on their senses, right? Okay. And so if you're doing a shower mindfulness, right? How does the water feel on my skin? What does it feel like when I use soap? What does my scalp feel like when I rub my hands through it? What do I smell? What are the smells? You know, so so you don't have to make this complicated. And doing all those, and certainly like for a lot of people with their body image stuff, being non-judgmental, right? It's not a time to judge yourself. It's not a time to criticize yourself. You're letting go of the judgment. You're being kind and curious. Kind and curious. So final thoughts. If we want to get started here, uh, for those of you who are listening who have a really great meditation practice, great for you. Um, but for those of us who are hearing this study and going, gosh, I, I really want to work on this and I don't know where to start, what would your final thoughts be? Maybe the three things we could work on um, after listening to this. So I would like either do uh, pick a YouTube video that kind of goes over some simple things. Um, I would actually focus on a time of the day, right? Like you're someone who'd really, someone might really want to do it in the morning or someone might want to do it midday after lunch. Like find a time of the day, put a little reminder in your phone and start with that. And, and, and it's really about building practice into your life. Um, and it's your intention. It's bringing, being the present moment and being non-judgmental, curious, kind, and open. So start with some basic things. Three to five minutes a day is a good amount that'll just kind of ground you back into your present moment. Um, you know, as I told you, I've done a lot of uh, mindfulness training. I did transcendental meditation when I was in graduate school, and I, I've done a lot of it, uh, hypnosis work. Um, this is really very helpful for people. Yeah, I, I love that people can get a chance to enter it. And then, you know, we're all different. So just starting, you'll figure out what works for you. Um, I'll throw it out there that I, I learned some years ago. There was a 21-day free meditation challenge and something about doing it for 21 days and knowing that I did it. But uh, you can look for those two as well. Um, guided meditations can be helpful if you're not so advanced at it. Um, but anyway, thank you. Thank you for, um, I'll also throw out Copper Beach Institute if you're in Connecticut. They do a lot of mindfulness-based stress reduction classes. So um, Dr. Lore, thank you so much. And hopefully we can give people some, some skills. <laughs> I am happy. I am at peace. I am healthy. And I am safe. Yes, I'm going to use that in my blow-dry meditation. All right, thank you, Dr. Saunders. <laughs> hey, we have to do these things every day, right? Make your daily grind a sacred grind. Thanks, Dr. Saunders. And if this was take helpful care. to you, take care. Yeah, if this was helpful to you, please share it. Um, you can follow me on social media, at Kara Sundlin. I love to share this content there. Um, let people know uh, to subscribe and download the Kara's Cures podcast. This is, I think, an episode that's going to help a lot of people. Uh, let us know what you think if you're on social. Don't forget to leave a comment. Have a great day and be well.